Hello, my friends. This is Bishop Campbell welcoming you again to a short meditation on the theme of living the Catholic life. Back in the year 1981, which was the first year that I celebrated as a priest, a fairly famous book of philosophy was published. And I I say it was remarkable because very, very infrequently is a book of philosophy, uh, philosophy a bestseller. But it was a book written by Alistair McIntyre. He uh, completed his teaching career at Notre Dame after his conversion to Catholicism. And he entitled this book After Virtue. Now, it was a, a book devoted to uh, moral philosophy. But it was written in a time of real confusion in moral philosophy and at a time of loss of moral consensus. And I think it was because of the challenge of McIntyre's book, After Virtue, that it became so widely read There are aspects of it, technical aspects of it, that may be a bit of a challenge for the general reader, but in fact, the the thrust of the book was important. For McIntyre said, we are now being challenged with finding a new moral consensus and ending the confusion in moral philosophy. And he placed this call very firmly in the necessity to establish the moral consensus within a tradition of philosophical and even theological uh, faith in, in reality. He ended the book by saying, perhaps at this moment we have to await for a new Benedict. Now that caused great wonderment in interest in, in readers and also in uh, the life of the saint. And on July the 11th, this coming Saturday, we're going to celebrate the feast of St. Benedict, the father of Western monasticism. And I want to speak a little about uh, the life of Benedict and why his example is so important for us to remember and to, to meditate upon. Benedict was born at a time of political, social, and intellectual disintegration. As the Roman Empire in the West simply disappeared at the end of the 5th century, in fact, seemed to officially disappear only six years before St. Benedict was born. He was born into, I suppose, what we could call the upper-middle class of the declining Roman society. But that end of the Roman Empire introduced a time not only of confusion, but great violence. Uh, Barbarian hordes were sweeping through the debris of the Roman Empire. There was a loss of political and social uh, integration, political and social peace, and many sources of knowledge and livelihood. It is amazing how much of the technology for which the Romans were justly known disappeared 
and Saint Benedict, who visited the city of the Rome uh, of Rome after it had been torn apart and sacked by a Gothic army, was so appalled by the condition of the city that he believed as a faithful Christian that his only alternative was to become a hermit. Following the example of the monastic movement in the eastern part of the Roman Empire, particularly in Egypt. So he went out into a deserted place and for several years lived as a hermit, but did admit that the life of the hermit did not, in fact, satisfy as he thought it would, even in spite of the fact that he would increase the character of the discipline with which he tried to reshape his body as well as his spirit, that there was something missing. And it was not satisfactory. And what was missing for Benedict was an active and real membership in a community. In those people who shared his desire for the presence of God, the desire to live the perfection of the Christian life. And this realization became then the motive behind Benedict's leaving the hermitage and founding a monastery. And over the years, he founded various other monastic uh, foundations but left an extraordinary rule of community life for those who hungered for the presence of God, who hungered for a reality that was both satisfactory and exciting. But it was to be a rule that would establish the profundity of God's love for us and a rule by which we can live in a way that is worthy of that love, can be touched by it and transformed by it. And in that that rule of Benedict's monasteries, there is a stress on working diligently in this world, praying powerfully, but with a constant gaze on the next on the goal of Christian life, which is, of course, eternal life with uh, God through Christ and in the Holy Spirit. So his motto became Ora et Labora, pray and work. And the day was established by a constant prayer, study, and the insistence on manual labor, so that the whole of the human uh, uh, person is going to be involved in that process, in that journey. The heart, the mind, and the hands. And in fact, St. Benedict, following uh, our Lord, reestablished for the world the dignity of manual labor, which was always in the classical world looked down upon as servile, as that is worthy only of a slave. But the, the intention of Benedict was to establish a community of believers 
where God could be constantly present, drawing us more and more on that journey to eternity. But as a consequence, St. Benedict saved a lot of the civilization from the ancient world. His prayer was based, obviously, on sacred scripture and especially on the book of the Psalms. His study preserved the documents from the ancient world from being completely forgotten or simply disappearing. And the manual labor, in a sense, preserved agriculture and preserved uh, some of the technology of the Roman world. And I think this is why Alistair McIntyre concluded his book, After Virtue, on stating that maybe we're awaiting a new Benedict, a Benedict that goes to the heart of the matter of, of, of truly human life, but by consequence of that, preserves and establishes and, and enhances that which makes human life important and powerful. So St. Benedict's monastic order preserved a lot of the religion, the art, the science, and the agriculture of the ancient world. And not only preserved it, but in fact experimented with new uh, techniques, new models. And that simple daily laborious work of copying manuscripts, especially the Bible, was a profound service to our civilization and really part of the foundation of what we call Western culture. Now, that laborious work of copying meant that the Benedictines were never in a hurry. They thought, as one uh, writer described it, they thought in uh, in terms of centuries, not years. But they always saw ahead, and, and sometimes it took decades, sometimes a century or two, for their work to really bear its fundamental and powerful fruit. But this sense of peacefulness, of a kind of almost dogged devotion to that work that they knew was so important, was fed by a profound devotion to the virtue of hope. It was a hope that was fed by fidelity to the faith, by fidelity to their work, even though the result of which may not be known for centuries. And by their sense of hope, by their fidelity, the followers of St. Benedict were creating a place around which a new society and a new culture could coalesce, drawing from the ancient sources that which were preserved, but fed also by new experiences that were drawn into that sense of the faith of the Church. It was a new society that would coalesce around the sense of a community of life. And the heart of that community would be completely marked by the presence of God. Now this insight was so important and I think so profound 
that even the mendicant orders, the Dominicans and the Franciscans, who left the monasteries, and in fact the Franciscans resisted ever having a, a solid home that they would own, but the mendicants themselves realized how important it was to establish a life completely marked by the sense of the presence of God. In fact, Thomas Aquinas, the great Dominican, realized that every Christian had to cultivate what he called the interior cloister. That that sense, deep within our heart and soul, of being in the presence of God, of being in in the presence of of prayer and uh, of good work, even though we were not in a community of uh, people cloistered, but within our hearts and souls, to live that reality. And isn't that the real contribution of St. Benedict to all of the baptized, whether called to the monastic life or not, to develop that interior cloister, an interior cloister that preserves the best and the good of what we have inherited, that enhances it, that covers it with prayer, and is motivated by a profound sense of hope. And this also is a great encouragement support for our fulfillment of the responsibility for the world, that it be transformed according to the pattern of Christ, which is the primary vocation of the laity in the place where they work, in the place where they recreate, but to take responsibility for that transformation. But we need that interior cloister. And we pray, St. Benedict, pray for us. <laughs> 